0: What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the All Things Basketball Podcast. I have been dropping pod after pod after pod uh, pretty much uh, one, almost one right after the other uh, this week. And it's just been a lot of things to talk about, a lot of things to cover. This is going to be an episode, just my reaction. uh, My reaction just having just watched uh, the Redeem Team documentary and how I felt about it, what I was thinking while I was watching it. Uh, you know, obviously the nostalgia. Um, a lot of it are things that we already knew. Uh, some of those things are are probably some some different angles uh, different different uh, clips I guess that we haven't seen. So it was a nice little mix of things we already knew, which was expected and some new footage right that we that we never had access to. Uh, but yeah, this is this should be a quick episode. It's really just my reaction like I said, and let's get right into it. Wow, wow, wow. That was a great watch, right? Just fresh out of watching that. uh, These are my thoughts the very next day in the morning. And I'm just, you know, I'm impressed by how the quality of of the footage, right? You could tell it was remastered. It was edited in, in, in just an awesome way for maybe even people that never cared to watch uh, any documentaries about this U.S. team, any interviews or any games. Um, You know, a lot of this footage is old, guys. So, you know, it was really impressive uh, to see the remastering, right? The quality of the footage. But um, all that aside, you know, it was a great documentary. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Okay, now, I would have given it a 10 if we got... You know, there were some things missing, okay, right off the bat. So, I am not surprised by what was missing that I felt was left out. And so, I'm going to go right into that, right? So, this was a great documentary, okay? Um, Not hating at all. Obviously, I give it a 9 out of 10. But uh, my reasoning is, you know, I know that LeBron was one of the people that co-produced the documentary, Right, and I'm no LeBron hater. I have talked about LeBron a lot on this pod in uh, in positive ways. Right, I don't think I've ever knocked on him on this pod actually. Um, but you know, I do want to say this. You know, when I heard that he was gonna co-produce, right, like just one of the producers for this documentary, immediately what came to mind was, okay, are they gonna show the tension between him and Coach K and the stories? Uh, the rift that they had, kind of like the 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 iffy, kind of questionable things about LeBron. And remember, this is a young LeBron, you know. Uh, it's obviously LeBron was in the finals in 2007. Um, so this is like, you know, you, you see in the documentary, they talk about how uh, there's a big debate about who's better, LeBron or Kobe. And obviously, I'm a big Kobe fan. He's my favorite player of all time. Um, And at that point in time uh LeBron was the better athlete um I guess yes you could say that LeBron was the more dominant player um but at that point in time um I'm going to I'm going to always say that in 2008 uh even 2009 and you know 2010 I I think that entire time to me I still think Kobe was the better player You know, but that's 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 besides the point. I didn't even want to get into that. Uh, What I'm talking about is I'm going to read you guys uh, an article here that I pulled up on Google because I remember it vividly uh, hearing about this story. So uh, this is an article by Evan Glass Beagle or Glass Beagle of the New York Post. Right. Where he shares an excerpt from Ian O'Connor's book, which is Coach K. The Rise and Reign of Mike Shashevsky, right? Which is Coach K. Which shed light on an incident that happened between Mike Shashevsky and LeBron during the Olympics. Okay, now this is what it says. On a bus ride to a shoot-around practice, LeBron James was reportedly heard complaining about the event. And it seems as though he thought the session was unnecessary. Mike Shashevsky reportedly pulled him aside immediately and told LeBron James that he had to trust... That Coach K wouldn't make the team do anything that he didn't feel is important. Right now, this is what the rest of the article says. Obviously, the U.S. would go on to win its first of three Olympic gold medals under who is who at 75 is now in his 42nd final season at Duke. Obviously, guys, this is an older article. Um, But yeah, O'Connor reports on the early tension that existed in the Coach K relationship with LeBron. On one bus ride to a shoot-around practice. Uh, And here's the quote. If you lose LeBron, you lose the whole enterprise. That's what one Team USA staffer said. You can't have LeBron doing that. Uh, They get off the bus and Coach K pulls him aside immediately and says, Look, you have to trust that I'll never ask you to do something I don't feel is important. I'm not going to wear you guys down or put you guys in a bad situation. You have to trust that we're doing this for the right reasons. For that staffer it was a revelatory moment along the way i always thought to myself that's probably the first time lebron james has been talked to that way <laughs> right and so that's something um you know that's something i uh i i i i couldn't forget while watching this documentary and I, and i if i'm fresh off of just watching it once right i'm going to give it a rewatch as well this is like fresh off so i don't remember them actually uh mentioning that you know or talking about that and it's no surprise to me because obviously you know LeBron helped produce it so uh you know he's probably going to be a little more biased in the selection process of what gets put in and what gets put out right so you know that's not that important uh but to me when you have a documentary right i feel like I can't give it a 10 out of 10 if there's some things that are left out. Now, you might want to say that that's minor stuff, but it builds to the story of, you know, the buy-in from the stars, you know, because yes, they did talk about the 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 maybe the conflict or or the possible tension or or players being skeptical, you know, about a college basketball coach uh coming to coach these guys. They did talk about that. Uh but just not just not specifically about the rift between LeBron and Coach K, you know. Um, there, I mean, I can even read you. I can read you another quote here, real quick. So here's another part of this article. Uh, Ryan Glasspiegel of the New York Post, right, revealed there was a time when Coach Mike Shishovsky had to ask Kobe Bryant for a private meeting after LeBron James called out Kobe for being selfish, right? Um, now let's put it here. Here, uh, let's see. Coach K: The Rise and Reign of Mike Shashevsky. That's the book, right? Uh, so let's see. Bryant took some low-percentage shots that didn't fit the team-first culture that Coach K was trying to install. The Duke coach was trying to ensure that the Americans didn't relive their disastrous Olympic experience in Athens four years earlier under the then-Detroit Pistons coach Larry Brown, which I'm going to talk about later on on this episode. Players noticed, including LeBron. Everyone knew it. One team USA staffer says in the book, they know when another player is being selfish. Players can police themselves. But in this instance, as LeBron was coming out of the game, he said to Mike, Yo, coach, you better fix that mother effer. <laughs> as he walked by, he was talking about Kobe. The following morning, before leaving Shanghai, Sheshevsky asked the Lakers three-time NBA champion, obviously Kobe, uh, for a private meeting. Coach was nervous, says one of the staffers. He knew he had to do it. Shashevsky had grown close to Kobe over the years, and nearly left Duke in 2004 to coach him in Los Angeles, which I've mentioned on the pod uh, before. When they met in a room, Shashevsky pulled out a laptop, showed Bryant video examples of his poor judgment, and called some of his field goal attempts BS shots. Now, I'm keeping it clean, obviously, for the pod. Before telling him, there has to be more movement, Kobe just looked right at him and said, I got it, coach. I got it. Don't worry about it. Sorry about that. A team source told O'Connor. So, you know, it's it's little things like that, you know, that you guys might say, oh, Vic, you're nitpicking. You know, this is this was a great documentary. You're you know, you're just being too picky. Uh, But, you know, I'm even I'm even uh, shedding some light on the kind of like the tension that that, you know, kind of like the the selfish uh, attitude from Kobe. Right. And he is my favorite player of all time. So I'm being fair. You know, in talking about, hey, you guys didn't include kind of like the the lack of trust between LeBron and Coach K and also the way the players felt about the way Kobe first came on the team. Now, obviously, I think that um, I think they wanted to keep it um, in a like a positive documentary uh, because obviously Kobe passed away and it hasn't been that long, you know, um, and I think I think that played a big factor. And why they didn't really hammer too much on that. Um, although they did talk about uh, the questions about about how Kobe would fit with the team. Uh, but they kind of skipped over, you know, to kind of like Kobe setting the bar and training hard. And, you know, people following in his footsteps and things like that, you know. So, yes, they did talk about the the question marks uh, that guys were worried about, you know, how Kobe would fit. But that exact situation uh, I don't think I saw that in the documentary, and I'm gonna give it a rewatch, but i'm I'm almost one hundred percent sure that that was not talked about in the documentary. Um, now, those are the couple of things that I had slight issues with that make me feel like if you're not telling the whole story and things that are documented, right? Um, I feel like, you know, it it can't be a ten out of ten in my opinion because you're missing some things that, I think would be really juicy for the documentary uh just to add more substance to the tension to the build up to the to the transformation of character from this entire team together um but yeah, you know all in all, the documentary was awesome um I thought it was great i was there was times where i was I was excited I was hyped like I was cheering. For the USA team as if they were playing the game still. Like, yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like as if the game was live. <laughs> it's just like, like I never felt more American than I did when I was watching that, right? Like, go USA. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? So it was, it was just like, you know, it was, it was, I felt patriotic. You know, I felt happy to see them win. I was sad to obviously rewatch them lose. Um, You know, obviously there was highs, there was lows. Uh, obviously really sad, you know, I got a little teary-eyed, I didn't cry, okay, I didn't cry, but I did get a little teary-eyed, you know, watching Kobe talk, man, and just, you know, him just like, just, just in his interviews, you know, you hear Dwayne Wade, you hear LeBron, you hear, uh, Carlos Boozer was, was, he got a lot of shine in this documentary, uh, just kind of like telling his stories, Chris Bosh, obviously, um, you know, Jason Kidd, Chris Paul, Carmelo, you know, they, they really, uh, tied all these guys in to give their thoughts, their perspective, and just really their experience. You know, they all talked about Kobe and, you know, it's, it, it, to me, when I, when I would just watch the Kobe clips, uh, when he would talk, it was just, I could hear him talk for hours, you know, he was, he was so well-spoken and just. He was just so different, you know, and watching this documentary, I was watching it with my fiance, you know, and, and even she, you know, even she agreed like, man, it's, it's crazy how, how, you know, how special a a person and a player was when you hear the way all these other Olympic players, like all these Olympians and the best basketball players in the NBA at that point in time. Uh, talked about him you know it, it, and just and just to for for an nba player to set the bar for other nba players during the olympics it just adds to the mystique like the just the mythology of kobe right um the legend that is kobe bryant and it's just you know he was unique i i loved kobe you know so much you know miss kobe it, it's it was really sad to to see him you know, talk and and interact with the players in that old footage. Uh, it was just sad, you know. It was, um, it, it made you happy and it made you sad, you know. Um, and I feel like the documentary kept it as light as possible, um, for sure. You know, uh, wasn't a lot of sad vibes, but it, you know, you just couldn't help it when Kobe would be on the screen, you know. And uh, when I'm watching the documentary, I think to myself, like, you know, I remember telling my fiance, man, it really sucks. That, you know, we get these guys' perspectives, you know, the hindsight, obviously now talking about what happened then. And, you know, it's, you know, you don't get to hear Kobe's, you know, perspective, you know, now, right? Like, you know, how he felt then. And, you know, there's a lot of Kobe interviews and, you know, you can really get a lot of stuff from him. But, you know, nothing like hearing what he has to say today, for example, right? Like in one of those clips where they interview these players separately Um, But yeah, you know, great documentary. Um, I do want to get into the last part of just the part that pissed me off again, you know, Um, just just re-watching Larry Brown. (laughs) Great coach, Hall of Famer, you know, one of the greatest coaches of all time in basketball history, right? Not just the NBA, basketball history, Larry Brown was. I mean, you don't select Larry Brown to coach for the U.S. team, if he's not well-respected and has all these accolades, you know, but just because you are a Hall of Famer coach and a great coach and one of the best coaches, you might not fit the job, right? You might not be the right guy for the job, and this is exactly the problem, you know, and it's it's so, my, it, you know, it's crazy to think about today, right? But But guys, like... For some of the younger listeners or the new listeners, um, and they're wondering, man, I can't believe LeBron's on the bench and Carmelo and Dwayne Wade. And, you know, just seeing the guys on the bench that are clearly better than some of the starters, except maybe Allen Iverson and Tim Duncan. Um, but, you know, you listen, no knock against Sean Marion. Sean Marion was... One of the first of his kind in terms of like versatile players that can play multiple positions, right? An interchangeable player, athletic guy that can run up and down the floor, shoots the corner threes, you know, kind of does everything for the team. He is typical USA necessity, right? You need a player like that. So I'm not talking, I'm not glossing over Sean Marion. But what I'm saying is this was a time where, listen, uh, early 2000s, guys, you know, this was 4 uh, you know young guys had to prove that they could earn their spots right like it was that was just the that was just the way it was you know and bringing in a coach as old school as larry brown it just it just added to that view right to that perception of the way that a team has to be run right you can't play these young guys right that's what they would think right but but me looking at it just watching it from my couch and i've watched a bunch of documentaries i already know all these stories and i already know uh, the reasons behind this. And this was really all just a refresher with some added footage, right? Like for some of us that are well-connected and and we understand the history of basketball, um, you know, none of this stuff is new. Uh, the only new stuff that we could hear is like that extra footage that we didn't get to see, you know. Um, but nonetheless, you know, you're watching LeBron, Wade, and Mello on the bench and you're thinking to yourself, yes, these guys are, you know, young guys, rookies, but... It's it's stubbornness from the coaching staff. Well, mainly Larry Brown, you know, to to just play the vets because they're the vets. You know, um, there was a lot of stories of LeBron, Melo, and Wade in practice. You know, kind of like killing these guys. You know, and so you see these starting lineups, and you're thinking to yourself, like, okay, lost to Puerto Rico. Um, I think it was Lithuania too. Like they lost to Lithuania. It's like, guys, you know, uh, maybe we should swap it up. You know, maybe we should uh, <laughs> let's throw LeBron in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's uh, let's put someone in there that's gonna defend multiple positions and actually be selfless, not selfish. That can move the ball and play with the team and make cause trouble for opposing teams, right? But no, you know, uh, instead they they run these other lineups, and so you know, it was just like a, it was like a reminder of like ugh you know ugh, what a disaster um and just incompetence right in, in terms of selecting who starts and who finishes games it was just so bizarre to this day to to rewatch and see lebron in like his warm up shirt uh during the last moments of a lot of those games it was just like oh my god i can't believe i'm seeing what i'm seeing but you know guys it's hindsight you know it's you know it's 2022 where you know, guys are more open, you know, coaches are much more open to, to playing guys that are just playing better. You know, they don't care. They're not going to stonewall a rookie because, oh, this guy has been around longer. No, no, no. Uh, now it's more about skill, you know? Yes, it's, it's a team game, but it is more about skill too. You know, I'm not going to play this guy just because he's a vet. If, if this other guy is better if he's playing better he is going to get more minutes um it's just more open nowadays uh we understand that basketball has evolved uh from a coaching standpoint from a playing standpoint everything has evolved you know it's there's no stone left unturned right like like you see these coaches running crazy lineups and and trying different things bringing guys from the G League and you know it's just more you know it's less ignorant Right. Um, and it was awesome to see. And so, you know, when you watch this 2008 roster, um, you know, and 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 they're playing against Spain, um, you know, <laughs> I forgot, you know, um, I forgot to mention, um, you know, I remember telling my fiance like, oh, yeah, wait till you see this guy uh, that played for Spain. Right. Rudy Fernandez. <laughs> he was so good um, just cooking Team USA and cooking in the Olympics. And he played in the NBA, too. Um, and you know, my fiance is like, man, these guys from like, they were good. And I'm like, yeah, you know, these are, these are, these were, this was a great basketball team, the Spanish team, the Argentinian team, you know, um, these are good teams. The problem is, uh, in 2004, obviously, like they mentioned in the documentary, a lot of NBA players, uh, backed out of it. Right. And we also lost our, our, our hunger And also lost our interest in a way, right? So that led to obviously losing and losing and losing. And then, you know, we get this 2008 roster um, that eventually wins the gold. And, you know, Kobe had awesome moments, you know, Carmelo. We needed Carmelo as well. Dwayne Wade was huge. And I remember there's a part in the documentary where LeBron says... Um, You know, you have Dwayne Wade coming off your bench (laughs) because uh, LeBron and Kobe were in foul trouble. They draw like a couple of fouls early um, in that uh, in the gold medal game. And so and Dwayne Wade comes off the bench and and LeBron says in the documentary in that interview, he says, man, like it's the best international team ever. Like you're (laughs) it's the best team ever. Like like uh, these guys go out and and here comes Dwayne Wade off the bench. Right. Like, you know, this was. Uh, I, like I said, I just wanna I wanna finish this off by just saying, uh, it was an awesome watch. I'm gonna watch it again. Uh, if there was anything I missed, you know, obviously it was because this is you know I'm re- I'm recording it fresh after watching it, and it was it was just great, man. It was just great. I hate repeating myself, but you know, there's no other way around it. You know, I would have given it a ten if there were some more details that weren't left out. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean. It was an awesome documentary. Uh, if you guys haven't watched it, I highly recommend you watch it. It's it's a really good recap of basketball history, right? Uh, more importantly, obviously USA basketball history. You know, it shows the the losses and and why um, why we lost to other countries you know, in the seventies and in the eighties and things like that. And, and the rule changing, allowing NBA players to now play in the Olympics. And it's a, it's a quick little hour and some change recap, uh, nice little summary for maybe you guys that aren't really that informed on, on how you, on the history of USA basketball, uh, which is awesome, you know? Um, but yeah, uh, that's going to do it for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, the last couple of episodes that have been coming out. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I want to thank everybody that's been listening. As always, you guys are awesome. Uh, You know, listening since the beginning, uh, maybe some new listeners or potential listeners, whatever it is. I appreciate everybody. Thank you for listening again. This is the All Things Basketball Podcast, and I'll catch you guys on the next one.